And yes, it's time for a reunion of an old friend. This Tuesday edition of the Trojansports.com podcast kicks off. Adam, when does it kick off? Right now. Direct from rivals in Yahoo Sports. This, this is the Trojansports.com podcast. For a USC with Trojan Sports Publisher, Chris P. Swanson. Moving on. You, love 33. you better cut that out, man. I swear. That better, I better not hear that on the podcast. You mean right? about the him doing that? Yeah, we broke down. The, the, okay. Beat reporter, Adam J. Maya. Here we go. Yeah. Message boards. We start Martin. Yeah. Blair Angulo. What's his name? Blair Angulo with the recruiting information you crave. The J is for what, Adam? I'm going to punch you. <laughs> and yes, and yes, your host, our very own Ron Burgundy. You stay classy, San Diego. Reading whatever is on the prompter. Defense is Sua Adori Chalk by the end of the not, year, not by the way. Chalk. <laughs> I don't know why I said I'll, I'll just read whatever it says, baby. <laughs> I know. Ron. Chris Morales. It's a touchdown. It's the weekly radio show you need for everything USC. Is that your first joke? That's really a good one. Follow Trojansports.com on Twitter at USC underscore rivals. The Trojansports.com podcast kicks off now. Now. Here is your host from the Yahoo Sports headquarters in Playa Vista, Chris Morales. As the man says, welcome to the Trojansports.com podcast this Tuesday after President's Day, February 16th, 2016. I am Chris Morales. Adam J. Maya, beat reporter for Trojan Sports, is here. The publisher, Chris P. Swanson. And guys, we go immediately to the satellite phone. On the line, the one and only, our old friend, the man we once played Jew Not a Jew with, Michael Lev, direct from Tucson. Michael, are you offended yet? And how are you? <laughs> I'm not offended yet. I'm Good. doing well. How are you guys? I'm beautiful. We yeah. miss you. We miss your touch, your feel. Well, I miss you guys too. Good. Adam? Okay. Yeah. Uh, you, Hi, Adam. Hey, hey, man. <laughs> we're, we're probably going to offend you. Yeah, probably. It's what we do. Only a matter of, it's only a matter of time. I understand that. Okay. I, I understand that when I'm coming in here, but... But so, go ahead, give me your best shot. Michael, you when, you when have not finish. passed out recently like Pat Hayden, right? <laughs> well. You do have to, you know what, you have to be careful when you're out here to make sure you're hydrated. So that that is an, uh, an ongoing concern for me and others. Yes, it's a hydration sensation. But uh, my, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't even I know where to go. Yeah, which part? <laughs> All of it's so bad. <laughs> it is so bad, but that's why you love us here at the Trojansports.com podcast. Okay, Michael Webb, now in Tucson, but we once made love to you often at the Orange County Register, but Co- uh, A.D. Hayden collapses on campus. Plus, we've still got a search going on for him. What details, if you were here still at the Orange County Register, what would you be saying right now? Yeah, well, I mean, obviously your first concern is for his health and well-being, um, so that's kind of the first part of this thing. Um, but, you know, as far as USC is concerned, I mean, the question is, like, what does the immediate future hold for him and that position? And how does that affect, you know, the future? Um, you know, if you're, if you're Pat Hayden, and this has happened a second time now, um, and you're going to be stepping down at the end of June anyway, I mean, I'm sure the thought has crossed his mind and mind of his doctors and his family members. Why not step down now? 
you know, I mean, is it worth it to put yourself through uh, the stress of this job for, you know, however many more months it is when, you know, most of your work here is done. You know, you've helped USC get through the sanctions. You've uh, put new baseball, basketball, and football coaches in place. You know, started some new sports like sand volleyball. Um, you know, why, you know, why push it if you don't have to? Well, Pat Hayden is a since tweeted out that he's doing better, that he's home and excited to get back to work. And we'd heard when he initially announced his retirement uh, that he was doing fine health-wise. Although, when I first heard about the retirement and before he commented on it, that's the first thing I thought about was his health and figured that that's probably the main reason why he was stepping aside. And now with this latest episode, I agree. I feel like they need to usher in a new athletic director as soon as possible. I don't know how practical that is to, to accomplish in the spring because in all likelihood they would be hiring somebody that's already an athletic director, you would think, unless they're going to do it in-house. But I just think that Time and time again, whether it's Ben Hayden or Stark before him, they seem to kind of overlook their personal well-being for the demands of his job. And they're so dedicated to the university. But I think with that, they've, they've been a bit maybe naive or uh, neglectful about, you know, about the big picture. And I, I think well, that gets you, lost. Yeah, when you say they, Adam, do you mean like Sark himself, or are you talking about Certainly. the school and the administration? Yeah, yeah. I think that the people involved. I guess I'm just seeing a pattern here where people are just a bit almost delusional about what they can do or, or what's what's good for them. And I think when when you're not healthy and you're not able to. Uh, to fulfill the obligations of your job, then even though you think you're helping the school, you're, you're actually hurting it. And so I just think that, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. What's interesting about that is, you know, when that story came out that the LA times did about all of his, you know, all the charities that he was involved in and the boards and how that was maybe, you know, occupying some of his time that should have been spent on USC. I think people questioned his dedication to the job. At that point, you're almost painting it as, you know, he's going to work himself, uh, I mean, I hate to say it this way, but almost work himself to death. Um, what, what this opportunity could present for USC, I think, and I was talking uh, about this with some of, the, some of the guys I saw at the basketball game the other night, I know we're going to talk hoops here uh, in a little bit, was, but um, you could conceivably, if he were to step down, you, know, you could put Steve Lopes in place, uh, for the next several months and kind of have a trial run for him and see how it goes. Um, like yeah, USC obviously has something. Yeah, obviously has, USC has a history, yes, of promoting interim coaches or interim whatevers. Um, I, I know that was not the most popular move of all time, but at least you give, you know, you'd give um, Max Nikias a chance to see what Steve Lopes could do in that job if he were interested in doing it. Well, there's actually a fundamental difference between Lopes and Hayden. Uh, Lopes has experience in this role. 
where Hayden came in kind of off the street, if you will, into becoming an athletic director. And so I know a lot of people are going to, there'll be a large outcry if Lopes got the job, but I actually believe that he would be much better prepared than Hayden was six years ago. But uh, I, I did want to get your thoughts real quickly on that search and if there were certain uh, criteria that you think are, are necessary for for USC's next athletic director. Yeah, I mean, the pattern at USC and with big hire seems to be to hire someone who has USC connections. And I don't know if that's always a good idea. Um, I mean, to me, this has to be someone who's done this before or maybe someone who's been the very next level below at a really big school which you know lopes would fall into that category um but this is obviously a big job it's a stressful job um you want someone who knows what they're doing someone who has a lot of experience in administration someone who has you know a good relationship with the ncaa um who's you know kind of friendly with them, but also willing to uh, fight battles when um, that's called for. Um, so those, I think, would be the basic criteria that I would look for. Yeah. You know, what's funny about that is that I, I spoke with someone who uh, who used to work at USC and who essentially is an athletic director in training. That's what they're aiming to be. And he told me that, you know, it, if he got to a point in his career where uh, the USC job was available, he doesn't even know if he would want it because of how demanding and how hard it would be, how much pressure is involved. And Interesting. Interesting. I mean, this is obviously a very ambitious person um, who, who loves USC and, and was at USC and left because they, they got a promotion uh, elsewhere. But it's not for everyone. You know, it, it's just a lot of pressure. And I think we saw that. We saw, we've seen it with Hayden and then going back to, to Sarkeesian as the head coach and how his life has spiraled, uh, you know, upon taking that job. Yeah, where I, he, I'm tempted to say that the hard part is over in that, you know, they're past the sanctions now, you know, as mentioned, you know, all those big time coaches are in place, but no, USC being now. USC, you yeah, better USC win. being USC, you never know what's coming around the corner. Well, you, you, know? you got to win now. I think with the sanctions, yeah, you true. had that, that crutch. Now you don't, like you, you have to win. And it, I think that's why we saw part of what happened with Sark in 2015, because they came into the year ranked in the top 10, and were expected to compete for a national title. And through five games, they clearly weren't at that level. You know what's interesting, too, about this whole thing? We always talk about this, the sort of the what-if game with timing. Um, you know, what if this coach were available at this time, mm-hmm. at that time? Mark Jackson left yeah. USC in the fall to go to Villanova, and I think he would have been a very logical candidate to succeed Pat Hayden um, he was obviously you know, instrumental in getting the, the McKay Center built um, and has a lot of experience um, in administration, um, you know, very well-liked. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I feel like at USC, 
um, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's sort of similar to how the football coach has to be. You have to kind of be good in public settings. You know, you have to be good with the media. You have to have a little yeah. uh, bit of charisma um, because you're just going to be in the spotlight more um, in Los Angeles than you would be, you know, at any number of other colleges that are in small towns uh, across the country. Yeah, that's why uh, Chris Swanson is voting for Lynn Swan. That's my guy. Oh, interesting. Interesting theory, because obviously Lynn Swan has a lot of political experience. Right. Um, from he Was he the governor of Pennsylvania? or I think he ran senator, for I don't know that, what he was. I, yeah, he ran for something big, and I don't think he won. That's what I remember. I, I'm not really sure, but that's what I remember a few years back. Well, speaking of running, campaign manager Chris Swanson, you need to really have better information than that. I know, so, I know. That Google was... search, my friend. Yeah. start with that. <laughs> okay, going back to running for something big, but not winning. USC basketball. You were there this weekend uh, in Tucson. T- w- tell us what happened from your vantage point, because it was a a really kind of a make or break weekend for USC in some respects. Yeah, well, I mean, I wasn't there for the Arizona State game, but I was talking to some people about it, and they said it really might have been their worst performance of the season. I don't know if maybe that was a little bit of a look-ahead type of situation, you know, with Arizona looming, and maybe they didn't take Arizona State as seriously as they should have. Uh, I mean, when you kind of go into a trip like that, I I feel like that's the game you have to point to. Like, this is a game we really have a good shot of winning. Um, So let's take care of that one and then kind of see what happens. And then if you go home with a road split in the Pac-12 this year, that's great because hardly anybody's doing that. Home teams have a winning percentage of like 71% this year. It's just like impossible to win on the road. So, you know, I don't know if their confidence was shaken or, or what the reason was exactly, but they played a really bad first half. You know, they were soft. They were allowing uh, a lot of uncontested layups. They were getting killed on the boards you know, I had kind of flashbacks to last season when, you know, a lot of their players were kind of underdeveloped physically and they were just getting manhandled. Um, you know, I was thinking as this game was going on, like, man, they could really use Darian Clark, you know, mm-hmm. who was out with a shoulder injury, who's just kind of a, you know, he's a, he's a veteran guy. He's a big body. Um, as Andy Enfield noted, he's their you know, best rebounder per minute by far. He would have been a good guy, I think, to match up with someone like Ryan Anderson, um, so I don't know. They just kind of, they weren't sharp in the first half. They were kind of soft. Um, and they played a lot better in the second half. I mean, they outscored Arizona by eight points. Sean Miller was really upset about the way things went. Um, I think he has a lot of respect for the talent that, that USC has. It's just, you know, and I've tweeted about this before. It's just when you're an offensive-oriented team and you're not hitting your shots, then what do you have to fall back on? That's kind of the question I have about this team overall. So from a talent standpoint, it's fair to say that USC right now is right there with Arizona, just in terms of skill. I would say right now, maybe a shade below, but okay. close. Yeah. Um, I feel like talent-wise, USC is in that sweet spot right now where they have a lot of really good players, but they're not quite good enough to leave early at this point yeah. to enter the NBA draft. I mean, that's, kind of the, that's kind of the ideal thing that you want. Um, I mean, that's what some of these smaller schools sometimes when they make a run in the NCAA tournament, the guys have been around for three or four years. You know, they're really good players, but they're not necessarily elite NBA prospects. 
and they play together for a long time. Um, they build that great chemistry. And then, you know, like I said, three or four years into it, they're a really good team. I think the way that Andy Enfield is building this thing, USC is, is kind of, you know, gearing up for next year being a great year where they can make a deep run into the tournament. I think this year they're going to make it. You know, maybe they win a game. Um, I don't think this is a they're, – they're ready at this point to go deep into the tournament. But if everybody comes back and everybody improves a little bit, the next year might be the year. All right. Well, before we let you go here, we do want to talk a little bit of football. I know that you've begun spring practice already in Tucson because it's always spring. Um, what what are what are maybe some of the the glaring differences that you've already noticed between USC football and Arizona? Yeah, well, let's start from a from a media perspective. I mean, things are just kind of flipped around here. Um, basketball is the biggest deal in town, uh, for sure, and football is number two. Um, that's obviously not the case at USC. It's never been the case at USC. Um, so that's kind of, it's a difference. Um, it's not like people, uh, don't care about football. They absolutely do. Um, but in in the off season in February, it's just not going to get like, you know, the big headlines that, uh, basketball games will, all the basketball games are sold out. The atmosphere was really pretty unbelievable. Um, the other night, um, for hoops, Uh, one other difference from a media perspective, Adam, is that, you know, not all the practices are open here. Um, which is, you know, pretty common practice, uh, no pun intended, throughout the country. Um, the first practice that we had was the first half was open, the second half was closed, and then the second one was completely closed. I mean, this is spring. They're primarily doing, um, you know, individual drills. It's not like we're going to see uh, any of their deep, dark secrets. Um, but that's just kind of the way that Rich Rod run, uh, runs things here. Um, Most you people do. talk about do, recruiting a little bit? Right? Yeah, I know. You want to talk about recruiting a little bit, too? Sure. In this? Okay. Yeah, I think this is kind of an eye-opening experience for me, and Chris Swanson can certainly dive in on this. But you know, while covering USC, we always would get all that kind of feedback, and you guys still do about you know how bad of a job the coaches are doing, right? And and you were an apologist. Totally understood. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess I was sort of because um, somebody had to be. But I, I had always had trouble understanding um, that whole kind of mindset. And I think I understand it a little bit better now, having covered one Arizona recruiting cycle, is that when you compare the players that Arizona's targeting or getting, just Arizona as an example, but this applies to two-thirds of the Pac-12, let's say, if you compare those players and what their talent level is or their reputations, their star rankings, to what USC gets, um, there really is not much of a comparison, right? I mean, how many players that went to Arizona, Chris, uh, were on – uh, USC's radar, maybe two. I think it was it was just uh, Khalil Tate was the only one with the scholarship offer, I believe, and then they were recruiting Michael Elatiz for a while, but they never offered him a scholarship. I think those are really yeah. the two that they yeah, were okay. looking so at. Two guys, so two guys, right? So what happens then when you bring in this this great hall of talent every single year is that the expectations get raised to you know maybe unrealistic levels and. You say, well, we've got all of these guys who are four- and five-star guys, and they have all these guys who are two- and three-star guys. How are we not killing them every single time? And the reason that people point to what it all comes back to coaching. Like coaching. Yeah, coaching. Yeah. Right? Does that make sense? 
Yeah, and so do you think that's uh, that is the biggest reason? Well, it's definitely one reason, for yeah. sure. I mean, I feel like you know, any time that USC loses, I mean, you you feel like you have to give a lot of credit to the other coaching staff for coaching up those players. You know, I mean, how many games do you go into with USC saying, "Oh, you know, the other team has more talent." You know, I mean, you might say it in the season opener next year against Alabama. Uh, you might say it at this point with Stanford. I don't know, Chris, where Stanford ranks. The people I've been talking to, you know, leading up to signing day kind of put Stanford in that class now with USC and UCLA. Um, but you yeah, don't say it often. Too. No, you don't. Um, the thing is that, in my opinion, um, I think coaching obviously played a role into it. But for me, it was the, the sanctions coming off the sanctions. And we talk about depth. They had the numbers. They had the talent. But I think that there were just some positions that seemed fatally flawed uh, in my time covering them. Just because, you know, in my opinion, they might not have had those extra numbers to go, you know, maybe grab a three-star for depth at a certain spot or whatever else. Um, so that's kind of been my opinion after i see usc with a full roster for a few years if they if they're not doing anything still i'm gonna you know jump over a little bit to the to the coaching uh philosophy i think too Um, yeah i think it's it's about it's about developing the talent right yeah oh yeah that's something you guys have talked about we've talked about that before you know it's like okay fine you've got the good players like now now what are you going to do with them yeah, you know, yeah, and that's I mean, really that more than like the in-game decisions. I think that's really where the coaching element uh, matters. Yeah, an undeveloped, yeah. you know, whatever four or five-star freshman is not better than a developed three-star junior. You know, you know what I mean? So, it, it, development is a big deal. And I think something else that we're not talking about here that I think is playing a big role is a, a fit. For the system, I think Rich yeah. Rod can tell you that from his experience at Michigan. If you don't have the guys that work uh, under your system, then you're you're always going to have a hard time. And I think because of USC's coaching turnover the last few years, it, they've done a disservice to themselves. They have a lot of players that that this coach didn't recruit or, or doesn't really fit his teams. So. Continuity is huge. Yeah. yeah, and obviously USC hasn't had very much. I mean, the yeah. only continuity they've had is Clay Helton and T. Martin. Yeah. Right. Well, you instead know? of blaming the coaches, then maybe USC fans should blame the athletic department because really, you know, they've switched coaching staffs every other year. So <laughs> if player development is a problem, maybe it's not, a, you know, the coaches doing a poor job, but rather just the fact that they're not there long enough. So. I don't know. It's opinion. systemic. Yeah, Can I use the word systemic on your air? I love the word systemic. Okay with you, Chris Morales? Oh, yeah. that's, I love the word systemic. It gets me excited everywhere. I, I have a hypothetical <laughs> for you. Last question, Michael, because yeah. uh-huh. Chris has gone on the rec- <clears throat> excuse me. Chris has gone on the record saying that if Lane Kiffin had not been fired, USC right now would basically be where it was before. Uh, and I, in terms of like getting to the Rose Bowl and competing on a national level, uh, I'm not saying they win, you know, two national titles back to back or whatever. But you got, I think you get what I'm saying. 
if do you think that do you think if Kiffin had not been fired in the middle of the 2013 season and was still the coach, uh, where do you think USC would be right now in 2016? That's a fascinating question. I mean, the problem with that premise, I think, is what happened the the season before, you know, in 2012 when they were, you know, preseason number one, had these massive expectations, and they completely fell apart. You know, I mean, that kind of falls at the feet of the head coach to me. Um, I mean, I think Lane is a very good offensive mind. I think he's in a great role for him right now as an offensive coordinator. Yeah, I don't know if he really is a head coach just because of his makeup, you know, his personality. Maybe he'll be better at it uh, in the future now that he's maybe been humbled a little bit um, and, and had you know been able to work under Nick Saban for a little while. Maybe some of that uh, will rub off on him. Um, but the, the argument I guess I'd make in favor of it, though, is there would be more continuity. Um, and as you just mentioned, that's a very big deal um, in football. Um, you know, I think one of the, the most underrated elements, people don't talk about it very much, but, you know, f- like, for example, Peyton Manning, when he was with the Colts, basically had the same, you know, offensive coaches and offensive system for his, his entire career there, mm-hmm. you know, and a lot of the young quarterbacks who struggle in the NFL, it's because there's constant turnover. Yeah. And I think that applies to teams overall, especially, you know, when you're, when you're young developing players, <laughs> hearing different voices all the time. I mean, it has to be hard for USC's offensive linemen, for example, to have had, what, five coaches in five years. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, I think that retards your development. Um, so it's a good argument that Chris makes. You know, from a continuity standpoint, I just, I just don't necessarily envision um, that Lane would have been successful just because of what had happened the year before and the fact that he had just kind of, I don't know, he made a lot of enemies at that point. I think they win more than eight games during a regular season last year and this year, but uh, I don't know either that they would be winning 12 games. I, I think they probably fall somewhere in between that with Wayne Kiffin. I feel like winning, yeah, I feel like winning eight games for USC is kind of the equivalent of going 500 in the yeah. NBA and sneaking into the playoffs, you know? It's almost like what, you know, uh, great. That that would be that's good for some other places like Northwestern, my school, for example. Arizona. Eight games every year, I'd be happy. Oh, I thought you meant Arizona. Arizona. I feel like you know. Well, that's not my school, Adam. It is your school now, though. I mean, but honestly, let's they're, be honest. They're, yeah, they are both Wildcats. It's true, but you know, it's it's always been a different level of expectations for USC. So whether they would win more than eight, that's great. But I think what people want is them to win eleven or twelve or thirteen and you know, be in the college football playoff and those kind of things. Yeah. All right. Well, the thank you, Michael. one and only Michael Lev. Once part of the Orange County Register and our friend. Now he is with the Arizona Daily Star. How is the Arizona Daily Star doing? We're doing great. Now that they got you, right? Thriving. Exactly right, home. Well, boys. they were doing, you know, it's one of those, the Arizona Star, Daily Star will do great before me and they'll do great after me. Isn't that what people say, like, when they try to put their careers in perspective? Yeah. Or whatever. You don't mean that. In the newspaper business, that might not apply necessarily, but (laughs) you're doing well. Thank you for asking, Chris Morales. There you go. Michael Webb, the one and only. We we love you. We miss you. And uh, we'll see you along the way, I'm sure. Thanks, guys. All right. Pleasure. Bye, Michael.
All right, thank you to Michael Lev, our old friend, for the coverage. He is uh, having fun in Arizona. There is no Arizona, as our friend Blair Angulo once. Uh, that's his favorite song by Jamie O'Neill. Okay, ahead, we're going to uh, dive into recruiting with the one and only Chris P. Swanson, and we've got your question from the message board direct at Trojansports.com. It is a Tuesday, post-President's Day, Feb 16th, and we get back into it. The Trojansports.com podcast continues in moments. You're listening to this week's edition of the Trojansports.com podcast. Subscribe on iTunes and never miss a moment of your favorite fellas yapping about your Trojans each week. Plus, some fun and frivolity along the way. Okay, I, I don't think you realize, uh, last week in the podcast, you pronounced Rojo as Rojo. Did I? You did. Wow. Stay locked in. More of the Trojansports.com podcast next. Hey, it's the QB Sean Salisbury and you're listening to the Trojan Sports Podcast right here on the home for everything USC. Everything USC. Trojansports.com You're listening to the Trojan Sports Podcast on Trojansports.com Powered by Rivals. 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 Hi, this is Chris Morales from Yahoo Sports Radio. For years, I've been an avid consumer of energy drinks. They gave me physical energy, but recently I discovered how to get more mental energy, and we could all use that, with a little help from Mental Bright. Yes, Mental Bright is a health supplement for the brain. Mental Bright helps me focus. It helps me concentrate. Mental Bright is amazing. It's even helped my golf game. Go to mentalbright.com right now and learn more, because this will give you mental health. Mentalbright.com. The shortest breaks known to man. The boys are back. This is the Trojansports.com podcast. And remember, everything you need for the best in-depth coverage of the Trojan. From recruiting to the message boards you love. It all lives on Trojansports.com from Rivals and Yahoo Sports. Yes. Tony, Tony, Tony. And DJ Quick. <laughs> you didn't think we could flip it on your ass, huh? Something for the dance floor. In a real way. It's going down like this forever. And a day. Now what you hear is not a drag Cause Mr. DJ Quick got a brand new bag But first I got a bang bang A boogie for the boogie to the rhythm of the getaway streets Check it out now You trying to give me some 8-ball but no way I'd rather have a mimosa with Cristal and OJ Yeah, just a little something bubbly and tingly To have me walking around naked but wait Back on the Trojansports.com podcast for your Tuesday, February 16th, 2016 Hopefully your President's Day weekend was beautiful And you got some break, you got some rest And you dived in on Trojansports.com Speaking of that if you're not a subscriber, let me tell you why you want to be. We've got our 16 for 16 coming up. 16 players to watch in spring practice. It's something you want to be part of and you want to enjoy what the boys are breaking down at Trojansports.com. That's right, Adam J. Maya. Are, are you excited? Especially considering we're playing the song, Only 16, which all makes sense now, right? I don't get it, but sure. We should switch to 16 Candles just to get it all out of the way. I don't remember that movie that well. I've watched it, but... It yes. was whatever. So the 16 for 16. I prefer the other one. What was the other Molly Ringwald one? I don't know. Airplane? No. Okay. She was in the airplane. I don't know. How would you know, Adam? Exactly. <laughs> that is true. Because she was like nine years old. 
nine years old, and there's some kids at airplane. So yeah, there were some kids. The oh, one kid what? with the IV that was like shaking, like a and, leaf. And the and the the coffee joke. Like I, you remember how I? Well, Adam won't remember, but never mind. There were some right. kids, Adam. There I, you go. I did watch Sixteen Candles. I haven't seen all of Pretty in Pink. Be sure to subscribe to our <laughs> fine little radio show on iTunes. Just search TrojanSports.com. Podcasts were also uh, on Audio Boom and always available on the message boards for free at uh, trojansports.com. Okay, kids, Chris P. Swanson is here, the maven of recruiting. And he's going to talk about the biggest areas of need in the 2017 class. That's right. Now we're going to spend the next like 17 months, maybe not that many, but uh, several months talking about, <laughs> talking about the 2017 class. Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. Uh, you know, and I mean, USC is already active. You know, already so many offers out. New offers coming out after signing day two. Uh, com- you know, just bunch of activity. Go to the website, check it all out. It's all there. But let's talk about what USC needs because I, th- I think that's important. I think that that's something that you know every class we should go into. You know, with a really a good understanding of you know, where should USC attack. And, you know, fill some spots here. Um, I think quarterback, you know, just you want to fill in a quarterback. You, you want USC probably wants to get a running back, only having four on the roster and Justin Davis being a senior. Uh, at a tight end would probably be a good idea because they don't have a bunch. I think they need some offensive tackles. Uh, they're going to graduate uh, Zach Banner and Chad Wheeler this year, so that that would be big for them to get some guys that you know are fit on are fits on the outside. They have a lot of guys that I feel like can be like guard tackles already on the roster, kind of those hybrids that can move around. I think USC needs some really clear cut like this is a left tackle, this is an offensive tackle type guys, and that would be a big addition in this class. They, you know, defensive line, you look at the the nose tackle spot, those interior defensive linemen. USC didn't add, you know, very much in, in 2016. So I think in 2017, the goal has got to be to add a few of those big, ugly guys in the trenches and, you know, really staple that down and get that fixed. Um, they're going to graduate three outside linebackers. They kind of took care of that. Uh, in the 2016 class, they added a lot of outside linebackers. I think they'll probably want to add a couple more. Uh, inside linebacker, I think, is an area that they need to address. They didn't add much in this past class. Uh, a couple of their inside linebackers are older guys. And I, th- I think those are really the big needs. This, the secondary is young and talented. They might lose a few guys. But, you know, USC always walks into some good players in the secondary, it seems like, in every class. So, for me, it's really about... You named the like defense. every position. I did. I went through them all. <laughs> okay. But for me, it's really about the defensive line, the front seven. I'm going to say uh, interior defensive line and inside linebacker are the two spots that I think USC really needs to focus on. They also, though, need to add a running back, a tight end, and some tackles. Beautiful. Okay. Well, other than everything, I'm going to be a little bit more concise here. I, g- I gave you three. I went through every position, yeah. and I gave you three that stood out above the rest, and then two other ones. Like that's not that's pretty concise. Adam. You said the front seven. That's that means a lot of things. I said look for the front seven. Then I said interior defensive linemen and okay. inside linebackers. Yeah, <laughs> I sure. think Adam just likes to hate everything I say for some yeah. reason, but it's okay. I don't like you, but I do. Yeah, um, you do. Okay. No, you okay? I think you started off on the right track when you mentioned a quarterback and running back, but I think not just a quarterback and a running back. They need to land a top quarterback and a top running back. I think those are going to be pressing needs, and I mean, you, I mean, you always want to land a top quarterback, but I think that 
that's going to be a huge priority in this class because you have you're going to have Max Brown who would be a redshirt senior in 2017 if he's still there and then you have potentially Sam Darnold who hasn't played yet by that point and Matt Fink who wouldn't have played yet by that point so you want as mature as possible of a quarterback I think and then you need a, a big time running back as well Ronald Jones will be a junior that year and he might be three and done and so you're going to need a replacement for him and we still haven't seen enough of Akasedric Ware and obviously Vave Malapai you know will just be a sophomore so uh, you need I think like top five players at those positions. I think you need inside linebackers in particular out of that class. You need defensive tackles, and they needed them this year, and they didn't really get them. I think that's most important in terms of the defensive line. Um, offensive tackles are going to be big. You're losing Zach Banner and Chad Wheeler, and right now it's just Chuma Doga that has any experience. So offensive tackles are of the utmost importance on the line. And then finally, cornerback. Cornerback could be a big deal because Adori might be three and done. Biggie Marshall will be a junior. He could be three and done. So you're losing your top two. You're, you're potentially without your top two cornerbacks by 2018. So I think that's the other position that they really need to to land the best guys. That's it. That's it from Adam J. Maya. Now I have to ask you though, was mm-hmm. that really much more concise than the answer I gave? Because I think you listed like, you know, four or five positions just like I did. So I was a bit more specific. I don't think so at all. <laughs> but whatever. We'll let the listeners decide. It reminds me of uh the rundown before last week a little bit, but <laughs> It's okay. Well, we, Chris we Ross is laughing because he knows exactly what I'm talking about. We went long because we had a lot of questions on the message board. Who doesn't love it long? Yeah, which we're <laughs> okay. about to get to in a moment here. But, okay, before we do that, I do want to ask you, Chris, you've seen a lot more of the 2017 guys than I have. If you had to pick one player, your favorite player from this class, that is a USC target. Who is it right now? Uh, I mean, it's a, there's a lot of talent. Uh, you know, especially I've talked about out west. I think this is a special class. It reminds me of 2015 a lot, and that I think that there's a lot of talent. Of, uh, I I like uh, defensive tackles. Uh, I like big time defensive tackles. I think USC's defense is uh, is always better when they have you know those kind of like big interior you know guys that could really push the pile around and and make plays and you know to me uh it's a guy that that isn't local isn't in california but it's got to be uh you know marvin wilson uh out in texas uh you know six four three hundred sixteen pound defensive tackle uh you know probably one of the top five players in the rivals rankings right now might be number one. It wouldn't surprise me a five-star defensive tackle. I want to see USC go out of state, get that guy 
away from some other big programs. And really, I think that if they do, it's a Leonard Williams type impact. They already have people to surround him with that are really good. And I think, you know, that kind of player could change really the complexion of their defensive line, their front seven and their entire defense and, and, you know, help USC win big. That that's what I would look for. Big time defensive tackle. I think that's the most important position in college football, honestly, is the defensive line. Yeah, well it's definitely important, I think, in USC's system. I think that they've uh they haven't had the guy that they've needed and therefore have suffered uh on each level of the defense because they haven't generated the pressure that they need. Uh Marvin Wilson is actually the top recruit in the country for arrivals right now well there you go yeah all right, <laughs> no well, wonder i like him my uh again I, I haven't seen a lot of these guys but uh my favorite player i'm going to chime in here i'm going to go back to kate Martell, who i still believe could end up at usc i don't think he will i'm not trying to to stir the pot here um, but there's just a lot going on at Texas A&M, and I think that leaves the door open. Also, he had a really good relationship with Clay Helkin. Uh, a lot of people point to the fact that Sarkeesian earned his commitment back at Washington when he was in grade school, but when Sark came over to USC, Helkin became the point person, and that was the guy that he was talking to uh, before he, he made his commitment to A&M. And, a per, and when I talked to Markel, that's the guy that, that he referenced more than Sark as uh, the one that, you know, that made USC um, tough to, to pass over. And so with Helkin in place, I think that that door will always be cracked open. Well, um, let me blow your mind here. For a second. Okay. Well, He's going to blow your mind, by I'm going to blow you because we, we got to mention Tua Tagovailoa as well. Because yeah, sure. he's that other quarterback that could be that kind of guy. Texas A&M actually recently offered a scholarship to Tua Tagovailoa after they already had a commitment from Tate Martell. Right. Very curious. I'm not huh? sure what that means. I'm not sure if that's, oh, we're not, you know, maybe Tate Martell isn't as solid as everybody thought. But it might mean maybe Tua Tagovailoa is the guy in the 2017 class. Maybe he's that quarterback, that game-changing, you know, potential five-star quarterback that everybody kind of assumed Tate Martell was just because he blew up early, yeah. had the scholarship offers early. Maybe Tua Tagovailoa is the better quarterback, and that's the guy that USC needs to get. Because to me, you know, unless maybe Tate Martell is soft to Texas A&M we don't, and we don't know, it's very strange that Texas A&M would offer a scholarship to him. Well, maybe After A&M that. is soft on Martell. That, that's my point. That's yeah. my point. So um, he might I, be that player. Yeah, I, and I, I, I've seen both of them, but not extensively. Martell I've seen more of. And personally, I like Martell more. I think he's the better quarterback. I think he actually doesn't really have any weaknesses. He just happens to be five foot ten. But that's a, that's the problem. You know? Yeah. I, I no, mean, I know. And I'm not, and I'm not acting like that's not a, an issue. I'm just saying from his uh, capability, I think that he's excellent. I think he's very well-rounded, and that's the guy that I would want. But if they don't feel like he can play the position to their liking because of his height, then so be it. 
God, I love it. You guys ready for the message board? Sure. Here we go. Questions from the message board directed at TrojanSports.com. Yes, we thank you all for your fun questions. I believe there's some food in there. We're going to get to that in just a moment. Okay, here we go. From Trojans Freak. We cue the music, by the way. With SC's Junior Day finally going down, who are the biggest names we should keep an ear out for? What are the odds you can get interviews with some of the new coaches on the podcast? BKU, Callaway, Tyson, Helen, Bradford. I hope we get interviews. I want to ask them all questions. Yes. Well, I'll answer the back half. I put in a request and been told that I'm going to get a couple of them very soon. I'm trying to get all of them, as many as I can. Um, they haven't been made available, but uh, I believe I'm going to get you know something here before spring. I'm doing the best I can. Spring it, love, as somebody once said. Control. Yes. Yeah. Spring love. I the great that, Stevie Chris B, Brown. way back when. Oh, wow. You don't um, remember Stevie B, do you? No, I don't. Okay. I have no idea who that is. So That's okay. Said, oh, wow. It's yeah, okay. How do you? How do I know Stevie B? Yeah. Well, my father played it uh, when it was a hit back on uh, the early Power 106, way back when, yes. I forget that you have that experience. Exactly, right. Because you're, you're younger than me, but... I am, but inside I'm much, much older. Yeah, you're falling apart. As they say in Italian, my bra- my brajol is about 62. Anyway, uh, so... Okay. <laughs> he, he is half Italian, everybody. Half, the bottom half. So, with SC's Junior Day finally going down, who are the biggest names we should keep an eye out for, Adamaya? Or an ear out for? Yeah, I'll take it. Okay, forget, take it. Forget Adam on this question. I got this one. Uh, you know, with Junior Days, here's the thing. is that It's a big deal. It's a big event. You know, a lot of recruits come out to these things. Um you know, last year it was kind of a smaller event, and they did kind of an elite junior day with 25. And but the year before, they basically set, told everybody they could come, and they had like hundreds of kids on campus. Maybe that was a couple of years ago. Uh, but you know, th- they do people do different things. Uh, but what I would tell you to expect is expect local kids. Expect the big time local kids to be there because while Junior Day is a big deal, you know it's it's still a trip that would be an unofficial for you know any big time prospect a country across the country to come visit, and they'd have to pay their own way. You know sometimes kids from like Arizona, Nevada, Oregon, Washington, all the West Coast schools like the states out of outside California make it, but not always. And you know it can it can still be tough with you know school unless spring break lines up and all that kind of stuff. So I would say you know look for the the local California kids. That's that's why I tell you you know the the Ty John Lindsay's, the Stephen Cars, the Thomas Grams, the Joseph Lewis, Greg Johnson, you know uh, Chuck Filiaga, Nathan Tilford, Jalen Red. Uh, you know, Jalen Phillips, Osiris St. Brown, those kinds of guys, the local guys that USC has offered already. I think that they're going to, you know, get get on campus and check it out. And, and that's kind of really what Junior Day is all about, is getting those local kids that you've offered. And some other ones that you haven't offered, some other elite California kids, some offers will go out, you know, during that Junior Day, right after that Junior Day. So, you know, look for some of those other top California kids that maybe don't have a scholarship offer from USC yet to be invited. Do you think either Markel or Chago Beloa shows up? I would be shocked if Tate Martell showed up because he's committed to Texas A&M. And yeah. I, don't, I don't think that that would happen because that would be, you know, kind of like huge news. Right. It would cause a big stir. I, I, and he's been to USC plenty of times, all that kind of stuff. So I don't think he'll be there. You know, maybe to attack Beloa, I don't think so just because that plane trip from Hawaii you know, is a long one, is an expensive one. 
Um, you know, I don't know if he's on spring break or, you know, yeah. if he has extra time away from school. So I don't expect to see him either. And he I, came I, last year for he, Rising yeah, Stars. Yeah, he was out there Rising Stars. So, you know, local kids. That's what I'm expecting. A bunch of L.A. kids. And, you know, some okay. L.A. kids that don't have offers yet are going to get offered most likely. Trojan fan 68 Hi, this is Nick from Cyprus. Hi, everybody. So I see I was the only one who participated in the strip club game. LOL. Yeah, LOL, Nick. Happy President's Day. Thank you to the staff for all you guys do from all the three. Chris's, Swanson, Morales, and Rodriguez. Yes. They're Dirty Bruin, Blair, and Gubo, and the best of them all, Adam Maya. Okay? So my questions are simple. And to the point, we start with number one. The basketball team road trip woes continue. What happened? What went wrong? What are the strengths and weaknesses of this team? Also, will you, USC will be at home versus Colorado and Utah. What is your preview and expectations this week from some home cooking at the Galen Center for our men's basketball team? Also, guys, we need to show up to these games and support our men's basketball team. If I don't, if I'm not mistaken, we are actually there at TrojanSports.com, yeah. right? We got Nick basketball. from Cyprus. Are you there, homeboy? <laughs> Why don't you guys handle number one there, and we will yeah, uh, move on. In <laughs> Numerology, I'm, I'm very concerned. That was like one, two, three, four, and five. That's okay. Okay. Um, I think what happened on the road is that they couldn't handle the pressure. This reminds me a lot of what happened against the Oregon schools, where they went into the weekend versus Oregon in first place and then crapped the bed. And they had eight days between their their victory at Poly and then when they went and played in Oregon. And in the same way, they beat UCLA again at home. Then they had eight days and they played at ASU. And they were a half game out of first place when they played that game. So first place is on the line. And I, I just think that they can't handle that pressure yet. They're still... A bit unseasoned with dealing with the spotlight because I think the talent is there and I'm not going to put this one on Enfield. I just think that, you know, the nerves kick in. It's really uh, no excuse for losing at ASU. You have to win that game, like Michael said. It was, it was a must win game because you go into that Arizona game, it's so hard. It's, it's, the hardest place to play in the Pac-12 and probably the the West region of college basketball. Yeah, you know, I just don't. I don't think the Pac-12 is that good, and I think no. that all of these teams are struggling on the road. And you know, USC is a team that you know is good, but they're not that good. Just like the rest of the Pac-12. Michael Lev pointed out a great stat, you know, about home winning percentage in, in the Pac-12 this year. Uh, and what that tells me is that the that means the Pac-12 doesn't have great teams because if they did have great teams, those teams would go on the road and win anyway. There would be that you know top five team that's just unbeatable and so or only at least use, split. People aren't even splitting. Ex- exactly. Um, so USC is you know a fringe top 25 above average basketball team but they're not great but that's how the whole conference is really so you know that's why they're winning at home a lot because they're at home you know they're comfortable and that's why they're losing on the road a lot that's really what i think it is and you know the reason i think that they are where they are you know he asked about strengths and weaknesses 
uh, you know, I think their guard play is good. That's a good strength. But, you know, really, in, when I look at the interior, uh, USC's front court, you know, guys on defense, I don't see a lot of big, you know, rim protectors, big physical guys inside that are going to knock you around and, you know, get physical baskets underneath on, on the offensive side. I think Chemezi Metu is the one guy that they have that is like that. And, you know, he's young, too, and he's probably stood out so much because USC doesn't have other players like that on their roster. I think if they had two or three Chemezi Metus, you know, they'd be a much better basketball team. So that's why I think their biggest weakness is is really on the inside there. They got to get him going, Q. He's been kind of off the last few games, and I think he's integral. We saw him blow up against UCLA um, in that first game. But uh, he hasn't really had another game like that the last few weeks. And I, I, he's one of their most important players because of what you said, the, the physical presence that he has inside. So probably needs more minutes, has to get a foul trouble, and has to get in the flow of the yeah. game. The flow. Hey. And I guess it's also fair to say that the USC doesn't have that, you know, that one elite guy that they could just right. lean on, you know, when it, when everybody else is missing their shots or whatever else, they could just go, oh, here you go, former five-star player. Like, we know you're getting 20 no matter what. Right. Go. Nicola um, gets it, I think, from the system. He, yes. He's not creative. Oh, definitely. Definitely. He's he's definitely not that guy. I mean, I think about, you know, the USC basketball teams under Tim Floyd. I think about that last really good one they had with DeMar DeRozan. Right. And that team was average like this team was. And then DeMar DeRozan became the best player on the court every night. Yeah. When, and when they had that guy, they were, you know, one of the better teams in the in the yeah. conference, in the country, all of a sudden. All the Floyd teams had that guy. They had DeRozan. Yes. They had Mayo. They had Nick Young. Yeah. Gabe Pruitt. So that's what I see. They're missing that guy. They're missing a guy on the inside. There you yeah. go. All right. Oh, Number two. Oh, yeah, we, we got to move. Okay. Football. They're, I think they're going to win both those home games, if that matters. Too. Thank but, you. So Football ahead. from Nick from Cyprus. What is the vibe amongst most of the top talented players in California and nationally of this coaching staff and recruiting? When is spring practice? What are you guys wanting to see in this team's during practice to give you the idea we can compete with Alabama in September? I think that point spread's still at 14, by the way, for Alabama. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, yeah, you know, uh, I mean, I think that a lot of people are impressed with what USC's coaching staff has done with recruiting. I mean, that was that was the headlines after this last National Signing Day. You know, USC started the day outside the top 25. It surged up into the top 10, uh, you know, on Rifles.com. I think pretty much everywhere else, everybody that follows that. Um, I think everybody's impressed with that. Uh, I, I don't know if people are sold yet on what they do as coaches we'll see we'll see if that happens we'll see if that even matters in this next class um you know i think usc's 2017 class will be great again uh, i don't i don't think that the coaching staff will you know prevent that from happening at all they certainly didn't in this past class uh spring practice isn't set yet but it should be around the first or second week of march right adam i believe well, Mar- march 8th is the date that we were given but it's not official not official yeah, so sometime around there, probably. It's probably March 8th. Yeah. Uh, what do you want to see uh, out of this team in, in spring practice, Adam? I'll, I'll let you answer that one, then I'll tell you what I want to see. Yeah, I mean, practice, I think it's always hard to tell the, the f- physical aspect, like how that's going to translate to a game. 
So, I mean, you, you, they're going to work on it. I guess we'll see how much contact they actually do in spring. Some people don't do any, though. And, and that doesn't mean that they're not physical come fall. So, I, you know, that's what I think a lot of people are going to be looking toward. And yet, that's not a good indication of what kind of team you have. I guess I'm interested to see Max Brown and his chemistry with the first team offense because he rarely got those reps, especially the receiving corps. He was usually working with the lower tier guys and the walk-ons. He rarely threw the ball to Juju. He rarely threw to even Stephen Mitchell or, or Garius Rogers. So how far along will they be? Um, those are things that I think can kind of stand out. And then defensively, how fast are they are they playing? Because uh, they're going to have a new system with Clancy Pendergast. And most of these players we're pretty familiar with. So I guess we would have an idea of how well they're picking things up. Those are the things, I guess, that, that come to mind off the top of my head. Okay, yeah, for me, it's kind of similar. I think we're all interested interested to see what Max Brown is, and I think that that was kind of the missing you know part of that offense last year was the quarterback play, and you know can he elevate that offense? Uh, I think he might. He's the biggest X factor for them, really. So we'll be watching him. I think the offensive line is a big deal. You know, how do they deal with the pass rush? Do they have you know some tackles now? Can Banner do left tackle? There's some questions there. I think are worth watching. But for me, if you're asking me, hey, you know, what do I want to see from these guys that will make me think they can compete with Alabama in that first game? I want to see the defense just have such a great spring and shut down the offense and just, you know, make us feel confident that they're a good defensive unit, that, you know, that they're coming back and they're one of the better defensive units in the country. Because I think USC is going to need that next year. If they want to compete with Alabama and compete to win 10 games, to compete for the conference, to compete with Stanford, they need a great defense. So that's if if that would change my view of this Alabama game. If I saw USC's defense look amazing and I was confident in them, you know, that game is becoming more of a toss-up to me all of a sudden if I see that. All right. Very good. And finally, from Nick from Cyprus, what is the latest news on AD at USC? Fight on. I haven't heard much, but the name I keep hearing is Lopes. That, I mean, I, I know he's in consideration for the job. Chris Swanson, your thoughts? Uh, you, you know what? I think it's going to be Lopes, too, honestly. I, I hope it led Swan, but I have a feeling <laughs> I have a feeling it's going to be Lopes, okay, which would actually I think would be a very good hire. Nick from Cypress, Trojan Fan 68, thank you so much. Earn Dog you, 21. Bye-bye, everybody. You guys have talked about some guys approaching the staff with concerns for their roles. I am feeling good about our depth chart. Depth chart, excuse me. Last spring, a couple of guys decided to bolt. Do you anticipate any guys having trouble finding themselves within this depth chart? How many would you anticipate leaving and who? Fight on. Okay. I mean, these are all guesses here because uh, you you never know what's in these guys' hearts. And, And I mean, not questioning like their passion or commitment, but just how they're really feeling about their situation. And it's understandable if you're not going to play, 
you don't want to throw away your football career on the bench. Um, one guy that I wonder about, not because of any conversation with him, but just because of the depth chart, is Akasedric Ware, who I think is really good, and I like him, and I think he's different than Ronald Jones second, and, and even Justin Davis. But if they're going to commit to using those two guys and not really lean on Ware that much, I could see him leaving. But he could also be in a good situation in a, in a couple of years, as we talked about in that recruiting. I don't think he wants segment. to wait a couple of years. Okay. Yeah, he, you know, he's already yeah. lost a year. I like, see you. He didn't redshirt, and I, I don't think he wants to just wait this entire year and get, you know, 35 carries. And then next year, even then, play behind Ronald again and maybe yeah. get 10 carries. Like, I, I don't think he wants to do that. He's a workhorse back, he's a, he's a physical guy. Uh, even though he's not real big, that that's his style, and he's the kind of guy that I think uh, craves more carries. Not not a not a change of pace guy, but a guy that wants to carry the ball at least fifteen times, and he might not do that till his fourth year. Okay, I, I, I get your point there. Uh, to me, I look at positions where I I know that there's a, a large flood of talent coming in in this class. And I know the guys have been promised or told that there's a chance for early playing time. So I look at safety um, because I know with how they've been playing Marvell Tell that he's likely to, to have a big role there. And I also know Jamel Cook has been told that he could play as a freshman. He could start as a freshman. So I think about, you know, some of those upperclassmen safeties, they actually have a few of them now that have all played, you know, some roles over the last few seasons. I could see one of those guys leaving. Um you know, I also think about receiver because they just brought in uh, five wide receivers, you know, bunch of big time guys. And they actually had a few receivers on the roster. And it seemed like outside of Juju Smith, nobody really lived up to expectations um, as a wide receiver. So I, I could see one of those guys leaving receiver safety. That's kind of what I'm looking at cornerback too, maybe because, you know, they have Biggie and Adoree and then Jackie Jones, who was a five star just came in. So maybe one of these like corners that aren't really thought about as much could leave too. But that's, that's kind of where I'm looking at for potential transfers. If there are any. Yeah. I mean, maybe offensive linemen, there's a lot of them. I mean, they have more than a dozen and you're playing five and you're rotating in, maybe three more, but there's a good five or six guys there that are just probably not going to play. But it's tricky because of injuries there. We, we saw them go to their 10th and 11th guy last year, so we'll see about that. There we go. D's Nuts 55, our old friend with the food questions. Wow, hope I didn't miss it. Last weekend was a blur. That said, you guys put in a lot of work and made your own requests last week, so you ask and I deliver. Chinese food, little white boxes, chopsticks, fortune cookies, wear it at, the best Chinese food in L.A. Swanton, if you say Panda Express, you are never going to get out of your mom's basement. All due respect to Swanson, he's not in his mom's basement. He's in a basement, but not his mom's. <laughs> No, yeah, I actually I was able to move out of my mom's house. Uh, believe it or not, it's, you it's like your own it's basement. Been, it's been yeah, my own basement that I rent. I love your mom's house. Anyway, um, I, I, okay, whoa, hey, really? What? Really? 
I did it. Really? Yeah, why not? We Come went there. Yeah, we did. Do you want? There. Do you want me to start with Chinese foods? Yeah, I don't I have much. I have like PF Chang's, and that's it. Oh, <laughs> no, no. Come on, you got oh. something good. I I got something good for you because my my mom, as Chris Morales knows, lives in Torrance, um, which has some good Chinese food. I think so. Kind of. I and you know me, I, I'm more into finding the kind of hole in the wall, you know, place. Not really the chain restaurant. Seafood Town in uh, Torrance. Boy. On Hawthorne Boulevard is amazing. Um, you know, cheap food. You can feed a whole family really cheap, and you know it's authentic because they got all the weird stuff on the menu. You know, they got the frog legs and like the pigeon, and you know all sorts of stuff. Nobody, you know, nobody speaks English too well there. It's really, it's a great experience. I always get the. Uh, the they got salt octopus pepper. over there. Oh yeah, I get the salt and pepper squid, the salt oh, and pepper yeah, fish. Nice. Yeah, they got the lobster tank going. You know, everything there is good, reasonably priced. It's it's some of the best Chinese food I've had. Seafood Town in Torrance, the authentic experience. I want to go back. My mouth is watering right now because I know how good it is. So that's my place. Eddie Adams from Torrance. Yep. Jack Horner, filmmaker. So yeah, uh, you know, there's also, but there's. Good Chinese food all over LA, dim sum, you know, Chinatown, St. Gabriel Valley. I'm sure Adam has uh, plenty. Yeah, I, I live in San Gabriel Valley. You can pretty much stop at any spot on Valley Boulevard or Garvey Avenue, and you'll probably be okay. But my favorites are 101 Noodle Express and Sam Wu Barbecue. And then in downtown, Yang Chow. Yang Chow is where it's at. When my mother got married, uh, yeah, long story, but when <laughs> my mother got married and I was there, yes, um, I was there for that, um, that's where we went for the for the reception dinner. Yang Chow. Beautiful Yang Chow. Yeah. You, know, you mentioned Valley Boulevard, right, uh-huh. Adam? Mm-hmm. I'm going to give a shout out to to a restaurant out there to 888 Seafood. They have great dim sum, so okay. that's one of my favorites. I so. know you mentioned to this. Oh yes, oh yes. That's that's that 888 is worth venturing out there for. But Seafood Town keeps me happy on my side of uh, town. So you never come and just say hi to me. No, I haven't been to 888 in a while, but I just want to okay. give a shout out to it. He just uh, want to give you the dim sum. Great. Yes, dim sum. And then some. Absolutely okay. right. Just never ask what you're eating. When no, you're eating. Oh, boy. and uh, you're good. All right. Yeah. Well, there you go. Thank you, D's Nuts Fifty Five. I don't really have anything. Uh, I yeah, have, my girlfriend gets a, my girlfriend gets Chinese food from somewhere local, but I don't know the name of it. And I'll have like a fortune cookie or something. But other than that, I'm not a big Chinese food guy, just personally. So I don't mind a nice egg roll in my mouth, but that's a whole. Other I was, I was, you um, don't like deep fried stuff because that's all I get when I order Chinese. Yeah, food. again, like deep I don't fries. mind a nice egg roll, but the beef from I don't like a heavy sauce. It's just my thing. I'm just not a big Chinese food guy. That's just me. Okay. Nothing wrong that's, with that. All right, nothing wrong with that. You know, Braxton Family X4. Can you give some player comparisons for recruits, NFL or college? Just size and skill set. Jack Jones, Pittman's, Vaughn's, Murphy, Pie, Wole, and Pollard. Pollard, excuse me. I haven't watched them play, so I'm going to abstain from this question. I'd like well, to answer it, but I can't. I just want to I want to see them more, you know, develop in college. I think, like, you know, when you're in high school, you know, you're playing different competition. 
it's kind of hard to just compare guys to guys that have been at USC, guys that, you know, are in the NFL when they're in high school. So I think after a couple of years, you know, at SC, I could tell you, you know, who they remind me of. Yeah, get, get back to us in January of 2018. There you go. We'll be ready. <laughs> no. We'll be doing that. this show. Somehow. Yeah. There's no way. We apologize, Braxton. All right, Braxton, we love you. Marty SC Psych, Adam, Chris, just wondering if there are any high-profile recruits that still haven't sent in their LOIs yet that had SC in their list of schools. Also, has SC definitely moved on from Amari Rogers? And with all that speculation, what are your sources telling you about the possible reason for his decommitment from the Trojans? Thanks for the input. Uh, okay, USC's, USC's class is full, so I they can't. they're not going to – even if there is somebody that hasn't sent in a letter of intent and made a commitment yet, they're not going to add them unless, you know, they're like a blue shirt or a gray shirt type deal. I don't think they're doing that. I don't think anybody that's waiting to make a commitment is, you know, going to be wanting to blue shirt somewhere as even a candidate for that. So I, I don't think that's going to happen um, at all. As for Amari Rogers, USC did not move on uh, from Amari Rogers. Amari Rogers decommitted from USC and commit to Clemson, a school that he calls his dream school. Uh, it's where he wants to go. You know, USC did not drop him. They're, they they would want him. We saw him at Rising Stars camp, and he was incredible. He's a great receiver. Clemson's going to get a good one if he sticks there. Uh, I think that what this is all about is a kid wanting to be his own man. And while somebody, you know, a lot of people talk about, hey, you know, he's T. Martin's son, and you know, T. Martin should be able to get him, you know, whatever else on and on. The kid lives in Knoxville, Tennessee. He doesn't, you know, live in Los Angeles. He's not a he's not a West Coast kid. And while well, T. Martin's his dad, you know, T. Martin has a new wife now. Lives, you know, across the country from him. Maybe his college decision wasn't going to be based on, you know, what his father wants him to do when they're not living in the same city you know they're not there's not that uh that natural connection to usc which is like it's always been that school down the street i think that's what it's about it's just a particular situation where the kid likes clemson and that's where he wants to end up right now we'll see what happens 79 usc 83 what do you think was the biggest disappointment to you regarding last year's football season well, the list is long on that one, my friend. To me, it was Kessler's lack of development. He really seemed to regress as the season wore on. Checking down from a Hail Mary to a five-yard pass to end the Wisconsin game was inexcusable and an absolute head-scratcher. Speaking of head-scratchers, Adamaya. <laughs> yeah, Cody would be high up there for me, too. But I want to go even higher than that. I think the way everything played out, Involving the head coach, I think it was just very sad and uh, unfortunate. And I mean, everyone suffered from it. You know, from Steve Sarkeesian uh, falling into alcoholism, getting fired in the middle of the year. And, and, you know, it, even if they would have just gone seven and five or whatever. Uh, or eight and four, but had him as the head coach, um, then I think it would it would strictly be about football. But I mean, people's lives were ruined to some extent. I mean, the, the whole coaching staff was virtually blown up, and I mean, good things came out of it for sure. And the, you know, the players rallied, and Clay Helton uh, could. An admirable job, and now he's got 
you know, the opportunity of a lifetime here. But I, I still think a disappointment is that uh, it didn't come together with Sarkeesian, with that team, uh, for those seniors and, and really everybody involved in the program. Yeah, for me, I, I think that's a great point. For me, I agree. I, in a way, I to me, what disappointed me the most about you know last season, this isn't really the season, but you know, I it was how Pat Hayden handled the firing of Steve Sarkeesian, and the school to me showed an incredible lack of sensitivity towards you know people with alcohol dependency and that suffer from addiction. That's just my personal opinion, and it was disappointing to me that you know a large university with so many you know. Uh, you know, great thinkers and great minds, and lawyers and all that stuff around campus didn't, you know, take a progressive step on that issue and, you know, show sensitivity and, and being caught up with the times. Um, if you're talking about the football season, you know, the actual team, which I think is what he wanted to hear about. I think Cody Kessler is a good point. Um, although I didn't expect him to, to do well. Uh, I, I thought he was overrated coming into the season. Um, so for me, I guess that I, I wouldn't pick Cody Kessler, although I do think he was kind of the, the biggest reason they were, they were eight and six that, you know, that eight and six team. Uh, I'm going to say the offensive line too. They've gotten too many yeah. Yeah. four and five star players over the last few years. I know they have trouble finding tackles or whatever. And most of those players seem like they're, you know, built for the interior, but they've just gotten too many quality players over the last few years to, to have any trouble with the offensive line. They should have one of the best offensive lines in the country and they, they don't. And it's really disappointing. David wall. How do you guys find out about offers made to high school kids? Is it usually from the kids and their coaches, or do you have the contacts on the SC staff who give you the inside scoop? Adam I is usually just hanging out at the high schools, and he tells us. That's that's usually what happens. I, I mean, honestly, yeah, we, you know, we do have people from from USC that tell us. We have people, you know, sometimes the kids will text me or text Adam Gorney or something like that, or their coaches will because we have relationships with all these guys. But honestly, what happens most of the time now is in the age of – yeah, exactly. In the age of social media, all these kids have Twitter accounts. You know, they it's kind of their proactive way of handling it, so they don't have to talk to reporters. You know, all the time, and they they just tweet out news for everybody. You know, to absorb, and and that's really what it's been. You know, most of the time, as a kid tweets out, you know, hey, USC offered me a scholarship today. I'll go and I'll post that tweet on the board so you guys can see it. Then I'll call the kid immediately and try to get you know his reaction and what it means and what his plans are with USC going forward. But there are times you know some kids don't have Twitter, uh, you know some kids aren't really into recruiting like that, and you got to go through you know their coaches, their family, or somebody at SC. You know you're asking you know people favors to to tell you what's going on. David Wall with another question. Who do you have most confidence in on Helton's current staff? Last question. Please compare and evaluate SC's recruiting hall to Uglies. What does that mean? UCLA. Oh. Whose class do you like better and why? Okay. Uh, (laughs) Who do I have? Uglies? Yeah. You you haven't heard that? No. I just know about bumping Uglies, but. Oh, wow. That's that's what girls say about you, Chris. Absolutely right. As long as you give them a good time, that's okay. They don't mind it it being a little ugly at times. Go ahead. Exactly. Uh, You know, for who I have most confidence in, I think Adam's going to have the same answer as me. I think it's clear. It's Clancy Pendergast. (laughs) Clancy Pendergast (laughs) is awesome. He's like one of the best defensive coordinators in college football. You know, I've talked about it many times. Uh, The defense that he had at USC with you know a twelve man rotation or whatever it was 
was really good uh, despite all the problems they had on that roster. When he was at Cal, you know, he had Cal as one of the best defenses in the country, and that's that's Cal. He's great. That's the guy. I mean, I th- I think he's the reason that USC could make this all work. Honestly, uh, I think he could make it all work. So that's that's my guy on health and staff. Uh, do you want to take this one before I move on? Um, well, yeah. I mean, you kind of answered it for you me. An- I did. Okay. Yeah. Well, then I'll just move on. Clancy. Um, I like USC's recruiting class much better than UCLA's. Uh, I feel that way every year. UCLA pulls in good. Recru- <laughs> no, I do. UCLA pulls in good recruiting classes. They always get talent. Uh, people don't give them enough credit for that. It's a school in Los Angeles. It's a great academic institution. And even though they don't have the good football team, it's a great athletic program. It's very similar to USC in a lot of ways, honestly. Um, but USC gets the top talent kids from from California over UCLA, you know, hold a couple this year and last few years, things change every once in a while, but you know, you look at, you go down the list for the most part, USC got everybody that mattered in California besides Mike Juarez. And you, when they go out of state, they get incredible talent from out of state. They don't get people's leftovers. You know, they go to the South and beat Alabama for a guy. They go to the Midwest and they beat Ohio state for a guy. They don't, they don't pull three stars from Ohio and Florida. They pull Great prospects, honestly. Even the three stars they got from Florida this year, I think Jamel Cook is an incredible talent. I think Keyshawn Young could end up being an incredible cornerback. I think that's a genius move. So I I like USC's class better. I think they have more talent. I think that once they start getting to a place where these numbers, uh, you know, they, they're almost they almost have to hold back because they're caught up on the roster. They fill out, you know, some of these holes that they have. You know, sanctions are over, but they're not in- entirely over yet. I think in the next couple of years, it's going to become very clear that USC has much more talent than UCLA, and it'll show on the field regularly. I like this class much better than UCLA's, though. UCLA didn't get the top California talent. They got USC's leftovers for the most part. Yeah, I think the two guys that they did get that probably sting for USC because of their positions of need are Mike Juarez, of course, and Boss Tagloa. But, I mean, I think that's why this question is being asked. Because USC wanted both of them and needed both of them and, and didn't get them. But to me, Boss Tagaloa, even while I think he's a high quality prospect, I think he's a guy USC probably should have offered earlier and just tried yeah. to get because he's a defensive lineman in California. And we talk about this off the air, Adam, a lot how I feel like USC should probably reach in the trenches a little bit more and develop guys. I've, I've told you that before. I completely agree with that. But Boss Tagaloa is not a game-changing defensive tackle. He's not going to come in year one and make USC think, oh my gosh, this guy's an animal. We should have gotten him. What were we thinking? He's he's going to be a project in college. You know, he'll he'll have to become something good. I think he mm-hmm. become something really good in the in the next few years. But he's not a guy that like Mike Juarez, where I think, oh man, like USC's going to regret that. You know, not getting yeah. him. Boss Tagalo is not in that category to me. He's a guy that USC offered late because they missed on a bunch of dudes that they right, wanted. Right, right. You credit you feel like they they really t- developed the talent on the defensive line yes. really well. They do a great job developing talent. And they oh. get they get good talent too. That's the other thing is you're in California, you know, and let's just say even in Los Angeles, even if USC and UCLA just took twenty five kids each from LA, the top fifty kids in LA are so good that, you know, you develop the fiftieth best kid in LA, he might end up being the best player in the country someday. You know, mm-hmm. like these things change. 
Uh, UCLA, you know, USC might have signed the top 25 kids at LA, but, you know, 10 of UCLA's kids are going to get developed better or were actually better or just needed to grow, you know, something like that. Like, you know, they maybe they just weren't physically there at that point. Things change. But right now I like USC's class better, and I usually do. Thank you, Chris Swanson. And with that, thank you for everybody from questions from the message board at trojansports.com. This has been this edition of the trojansports.com podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes. When you search us out, Trojan Sports Podcast, we're on Audio Boom. You can always find us right there at trojansports.com. Click the More button, and there it is, the Trojan Sports Podcast. Adam J. Maya, at Adam J. Maya on Twitter, at Chris P. Swanson, the publisher of Trojan Sports. I am Chris Morales at TMM Spectrum. Until we do it again next week, fellas, I don't Are really have anything. Go find an Are egg roll. I don't know. Are we doing it again? I hope so. I hope we do it multiple times. Okay. Thank you. Everyone, thank you for listening. Much shorter edition, right? I, I told you we could do it. I know. I'm looking forward to it. Now I feel like I have some time to watch The People versus O.J. Simpson tonight on a Tuesday Beautiful. night. You're watching that? Oh, I love it. You don't love it? It's good, dude. Yeah, I can't. I can't um, do Travolta and Cuba and... Yeah. Well, it is true. Swimmer. I mean, sometimes it's hard to buy into them as the characters, but you just got to sort of pretend, you know? Well, Swimmer is a, is a uh, uh, Persian... What, what are they again? Like, yeah, I think they're Persian. Are they Armenian? So, Armenian. That's what, That doesn't make sense to me. It's like, that dude's like Jewish, isn't he? Like, that's like really like a stretch there, right? Well, I think the Kardashians like, might have a little Jewish in them, no? Maybe. I don't, I don't know. They have a lot of things in them. <laughs> oh! Adam wow. closing it out strong. Okay. With that, we will, uh, we will see you again along the way. Send your complaints to at Adam J. Maya on Twitter. It has been this edition of the Trojan Sports Podcast. Podcast. We'll talk to you soon. Adios. Eddie Adams from Torrance. Yep. Jack Horner, filmmaker. I make it. Exotic pictures.